Welcome to No Sleep Till Pizza, a student ministry podcast that helps resource through biblical messages, reviews, interviews, and discussions that are all things student culture. So let's get right to it. So as you guys know, we have been going through a series called Tethered, right? We are walking through what book? Galatians, very good. And how many of you guys have actually been going home and doing the homework that I've been giving you? One person, woohoo, awesome. So what I've been challenging you guys to do is go home and actually read the chapter that we cover on a Wednesday night. So we've already covered chapters one and two. Tonight we cover chapter three. So as I even said at the beginning, it's not a very long book, you could probably cover all of Galatians in probably about 20 minutes if you're somewhat of a halfway decent reader. So I challenge you, go home and actually read it. Don't shake your head. You can cover it in 20 minutes. Yeah, you can. Come on. So here we go. Anyways, uh, one of our main points from last week was this, is that responding to the gospel is literally giving yourself away. Because as Paul states in Galatians 2.20, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And see, when we are born again, our lives are no longer ours, but they actually belong to God. And we're going to dive into that a little bit more tonight as we get into chapter 3. Is there anything that you find impossible Anything that you find impossible, for some of you, doing a single push-up is utterly impossible, right? For some of you, standing here, bending down, touching your toes without bending your knees is impossible, right? Or uh, it's also said that it's impossible for you to be able to lick your elbow, right? As now three-quarters of you try to lick your elbow, right? So there are many different things. Uh, like, it is impossible to tickle yourself. Figure that one out. You can't tickle yourself. Or here's another one. Many of you guys may already know this, but you cannot sneeze with your eyes open. You cannot sneeze with your eyes open. And it is not because your eyeballs will fly out. That is not why. It is actually the reason is because as you sneeze, you are putting projectiles and bacteria back into the environment. And your body is causing a natural reaction to go, we need to shut down to make sure that bacteria doesn't come back into our body. Okay? Pretty, pretty interesting, right? But I want to share an impossible challenge with you. I want to share an impossible challenge with you. And apparently, uh, this challenge is literally impossible. There are a small handful of people who actually can lick their elbow, oddly enough. Uh, but this is actually impossible. And I tried it myself. Uh, and in fact, I'm so confident that I got $100 right here. Okay. I got $100. I need, I need three people. Morgan, go ahead, get up here. Um, go ahead, get up here. Jared, get up here. Okay. I, I got a hundred bucks. Go ahead, come on over. One of you take that. One of you take that. One of you take that. 
Now, here's the challenge. Here's the challenge. And, and you can, it's all legit, okay? Um, you need to be able to fold that piece of paper in half 12 times. Yeah, it's impossible. <laughs> you need to be able to fold it in half without ripping it. Without ripping it. If you get to 11, great, but if you can hit 12, that $100 is yours. You can go past like seven. So there's, there's one. It's gotta be in half, so, so Morgan's in the lead. She's at two, you're at three, four. It's gotta be in half, five. She's at five, that's pretty good. There's six. You only gotta double that now. Yeah, yeah, okay. Six. I don't know if that. I got seven. Okay, you got seven. That's seven, you're not gonna keep trying any further. You got seven. Go, go to eight, let's see if you can get to eight. You, you can't. Get the pole and beat it. <laughs> I mean, unless if it was maybe too much sweat, but what are you at, Jared? That's eight. That's eight. Can I, can I start again? <laughs> can you go again? You got one piece of paper. That's all I said. But see, that doesn't count. Oh, it doesn't? No, because you, you didn't fold it in half. Oh, wait. Okay, what are you at? 11. There's no way that's 12. Yeah, you, you don't have you don't have them like folding upon it. <laughs> All right, so you got to you got to eight. You got to eight. Okay, and we have a question mark on that one. Okay, so nobody amazing. Go ahead, you you guys can take a seat. Thank you for participating. So, I I get to keep my I get to keep my hundred dollars. So here's the whole point of this. I told you the task was utterly impossible. I told you the task was impossible, yet I offer you $100 and we had people jumping out of their chairs to be able to do the task. But I told you already it was impossible. Huh. So here's, here's, this, here's the situation. See, this is the exact same problem that some of the people in the Galatian church had. They were trying to achieve something that was literally, quite literally impossible. And so today, what I wanna do is as we go into part three of our series is I want you to open your Bibles, turn them to Galatians chapter three, and we're going to actually start right from the beginning in verse one. So Galatians chapter three, verse one. And Paul is addressing a situation, as I already said, these, the people in the church of Galatia were trying to do something that was utterly impossible. So Galatians chapter 3, starting in verse 1, I'll go all the way through verse 6. Paul writes this, O foolish Galatians. That's a great way to start off, right? 
this is going to be a very happy and cheerful letter, is it not? Who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Man, Paul starts off pretty harsh, doesn't he? I mean, he lays it right out. He just starts calling calling them foolish right from the get-go. He doesn't try to, try to gradually walk into the hot water. He's like, look, y'all are being idiots. Right from the get-go, which is great. That's one of the reasons I love Paul. Paul calls them foolish Galatians. He calls them foolish simply because some of them are trying to achieve salvation by their own muster, by their own strength. I can earn my salvation. I can do this on my own. I don't need anything else. And Paul is going, you are stupid. I've already told you that that was impossible. But here, let me go over it again for you because obviously you didn't get it the first time. It's foolish to think that you can work for and earn your salvation on your own. See, and as we talked about from last week, we understand from Galatians chapter two that salvation comes by faith in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone. Paul talked about that. He laid it out and said, look, this is how salvation is done. Which is why he then looks very, very, harshly at the Galatians and says, you guys are foolish. I've already told you what the truth is, and yet you tried to do it another way. For those of you who were here last week, we talked about a a big word, right? What was that big word? Very good. Man, that was all, I like the response on that. Quick, man, that's awesome. Right? We, you, we talked about the word justified. And as it says in the Bible, we are justified in whom? We're justified in Christ. And in order to be one with God, you must be righteous, holy, and perfect, which means without sin. So how can you be righteous enough to be accepted by God? How can you be holy and accepted by God? How can you be perfect Without sin, the answer is by yourself, you can't. It is physically impossible, spiritually impossible in every single way. Just like trying to take an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper and fold it in half 12 times. See, only Jesus is righteous, only he is holy, and only he is perfect. 
Only Jesus is without sin, which is why Jesus must be the one that justifies us before God Almighty himself in his eyes, not by our own doing at all. So what is God trying to tell us in this passage through Paul's words? It's simple. Number one, you aren't righteous. You aren't righteous. Because if you try to live by the law, you're going to fail every single time. If you try to impress God just by doing good deeds, you will fail every single time. Just like we gave the example of folding the piece of paper 12 times, you will fail every single time. Just as it's impossible to fold a paper 12 times, it is impossible to be saved by living in accordance to the law. As I mentioned last week, the law was designed for one purpose and one purpose alone. It is diagnostic in its nature. It is to show you that you are broken not to actually fix you. You don't go to a doctor to get an x-ray done in hopes that the x-ray will fix your broken leg. No, you go to the doctor so the doctor can use the x-ray to say, yes, you have a broken leg. Now here, as I am the doctor, I will fix your broken leg. It's pretty awesome because do you know what it looks like in the eyes of God to just do good deeds without salvation. Turn over to Isaiah chapter 64. We get a very good representation of what God sees as we try to earn our salvation or to get our salvation through these good deeds that we continue to try to do. Isaiah chapter 64 verse six is this is what it says. We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf in our iniquities, like the wind takes us away. The New King James Version even says it this way, which gives us even a little bit more of a vividness. But we are like an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. See, that polluted garment, that filthy rag describes, described here are words for what we know as the word that we now commonly use as napkin. Amazing, right? And you go, well, pfft, napkin. Dirty napkin, big deal, right? No, 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 I'm not talking about a dirty napkin after you've eaten a piece of toast, right, that's got some crumbs on it that can be easily wiped away. The napkin that I'm talking about is a napkin that has been soaked and saturated in pus, mucus, and blood. I'm talking about a napkin that when you merely get in the same room as it, you can smell the stench of it because it's been festering for days, right? That's the kind of thing I'm talking about. 
And see, we so often try to take that image and go, oh, a filthy napkin, a filthy rag. Yeah, okay, it's got some dirt on it. It maybe have even been in the mud. No, no, no. We are so far worse than that with our deeds in accordance to God's righteousness than what we actually want to believe. It would be like taking that rag that has been soaked in pus and mucus and blood, picking it up as it drips from your hands because it's been saturated and going, but God, this is what I have to offer you. How many of you guys would look at that and go, that's awesome. Thank you. I will gladly take that in order to pay for your sins. None of you would. Yet we so often stand there with that rag and go, but look what I've done. As a small child tries to stand there gleaming ear to ear as they hold their mud pie, looking at mom and dad going, but I'm so proud of what I've done. Yet God stands there and says, really? Really? Yes, that's how gross our good deeds without salvation are to God. It's like saying to him, here I am, God. Look at how good I am and all the righteous things that I have done without you. And he looks at what you have done with disgust as you try to stand and hand him a used, pus, mucus, blood-saturated napkin. Great job. Number two, the righteous live by faith. Galatians chapter three, jump down to verse 11. Galatians chapter three, verse 11, as we will go through verse 13. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Paul states that by trying to live by this law, you are literally living under a curse because you are trying to achieve this level of righteousness by your own strength. You are purposefully taking a curse, placing it on yourself, saying, but I can do it. And Paul's going, no, you can't. It is an impossible task. Because even if you think that you have lived so well to cover these 10 commandments, Jesus then even goes on and says, if you have even thought these things, you have failed. You may have the rest of the world completely confused, completely bewildered that you have lived a perfect life. But as Jesus stands, he would say, but I know what's truly on the inside of you. I know the thoughts that you have had. I know the purpose that you have had behind the deeds that you have done, why you have done them, and so much so that it has absolutely saturated the rest of your life. 
So don't think for a moment that if I can just show that I can do these 10 really well, that I can do it. And Paul goes, look, you're putting a curse upon yourself. That is something you cannot do and you will be putting yourself through utter hell trying to complete them. but you will never be able to achieve that righteousness. The only way that you can achieve that righteousness that God requires is by faith, as Paul says. So how do you apply faith? Well, that answer is in verse 13. Number three, Christ is the one who redeems. Verse 13, Paul says that we have been what? There's that R word in there. What is that word? We've been what? Redeemed. Redeemed. Interesting word, right? We have been redeemed by Christ. Anybody know what that word means? Anybody? So let's say I was gonna say, let's say you open up the newspaper, but nobody reads the newspaper anymore uh, because they all use it for being able to light a fire. That's what the newspaper is good for. Uh, so you, you are on Instagram, right? Or you're on some other social media and you go, oh, look, new local pizza place is going to be opening up next week. They sent out a bunch of coupons for a free slice of pizza. Awesome, right? So you go the next week to the new pizza place, you walk in, you're like, what up, yo? No, you don't do that because they'd throw you out for being crazy. And so you walk in, you go, hey, I've got this coupon for a free slice of pizza. And they go, absolutely. You go, can I now what? Use it. But when you use that coupon, what are you really doing? You're redeeming it. What does that word redeem mean? It has been paid for. It has been bought. A price has been paid that has been covered. See, Christ has redeemed believers in the same way. Not that he went onto a social media website, got a free slice of pizza, okay? But what he has done is he has gone before the Father and has said, they are not righteous on their own accord. But because of what I have done for them on the cross, the shedding of my own blood, by covering their sins, past, present, and future, by conquering death, hell, and the grave, I now stand before you as their Savior so that you would see my righteousness and not theirs. I have redeemed them. I have brought them back before you so that as they stand here now before you, you would see my perfection, my righteousness, my holiness, my sinlessness, not their filthy rags. Because I've redeemed them. I've paid a price that they could not pay. I have been found guilty of my sin. My punishment is to be eternally separated from him. But Jesus is the payment that has said, paid punishment for sin. 
See, Jesus covered all of it, not just simply because he wanted to go, hey, this is gonna look really good. No, 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 he did it out of an overflow of his own heart as we see in Ephesians chapter two that he had the very glory of God, the things of heaven and his throne to grasp at his hand and yet he loosened it so that way he could come here to earth, lower himself to a slave to lower than his creation so that way he could be hung on a cross to die for us, out of the overflow of his own love for you. Guys, don't think this is some kind of, hey, let's make a big blanket statement that he died for mankind. Yes, he did. But let's be honest, let's make it truthful. Let's make it personal. He died for you individually. There's not one person in here that he looked at and went, maybe not, no. There was so much love, adoration for you as his creation that he said, I want you. I want you. I want you. And he stood there with his arms open wide on the cross and with his very last breath gave his life so that he could be the payment for my sin, for your Sin. Salvation is something that we don't earn. We don't achieve it on our own, and we certainly don't deserve it. But yet Jesus paid for it all, and there's literally nothing that we can do to save ourselves. Our only hope is putting our faith in Jesus to save us from sin, from the penalty that we so deserve, which is death and hell an eternal separation from God. So how do we apply this message? How do we apply this message? Well, it's simple. There's two things. One, respond to the gospel. You have one of two ways of responding. You either accept what Jesus Christ has done for you, lay your life down, and say, I've been trying to earn my own righteousness. I cannot do it. Jesus, I accept you as my personal Savior, and I lay my life down before you, accepting you and you alone as my salvation, as my redeemer. Or you take what has been laid out throughout scripture, what I have routinely on Wednesday nights told you day in and day out, that he has done this for you, and you go, that's great, but you know what? I got it. The second way It's for those of us who have accepted Jesus Christ as our personal savior. We actually live by faith. And that sounds so easy on the surface. Oh, live by faith, I got that, I got that. See, that's the picture of the gospel that Paul is trying to paint for us. Not that it's going to be easy to live by faith, but that that's what we are to do because we are so easily tempted to go the other way, to not live by faith, but to actually try to do, to show our own righteousness, to show our own worthiness, to say, but God, see, look at what else I've done for you. Look what else I've helped do to earn, to to make it worthwhile for you to die for me on the cross. And God's going, that's not what I'm asking for. I'm asking for you to pursue and follow me, to pursue and follow after my son by faith. 
This is the reason believers must live gospel-centered lives. See, the gospel is the good news, and the good news is that someone saved us, and his name is Jesus. So why does living by faith matter so much? Go ahead, pop up that, that slide, that picture, the next one. They're in trouble, right? Whitewater rafting. By the way, we're gonna be doing that at Snowbird. It's gonna be totally legit. These people are in trouble, right? Homeboy at the top, right, over here, he don't know he's in trouble. He's still trying to paddle, but the water ain't even there, right? <laughs> this one, we don't even know if that's a dude or a girl or what, but I mean, all we see is their helmet. They're, they're totally done, right? Homegirl over there, she's like clinging to the side, right? The other one is already losing it. They got like one arm. They're like, I got it. And the other one's going, you're done, right? And then the one in the back, the guide is just like, mm, I don't know how this is gonna work out, right? Eventually, they're all gonna end up in the water. And I can tell you right now, what they put their faith in totally matters. Because what they put their faith in is what's going to either save them or kill them. Let me tell you this. You take any one of them, there's gonna be a rock and they hold on to that rock at the bottom of the river. I got complete faith that this rock is going to save my life. They're gonna drown. I don't care what life jacket you have on. If you hold on to that rock hard enough, that life jacket ain't pulling you anywhere. See, what you put your faith in matters. See, we so often look at it and go, but I can just hold on to this a little bit longer. They can hold on to that rock. They can hold on to that raft as long as they want. But if it's underwater, they're gonna drown. I don't care how physically strong you are. I don't care how much you've done. I don't care about all the other different things that you try to put. Yeah, but this. No, it doesn't matter. Your faith is in the wrong thing. You hold on to that rock, you will drown. What you put your faith in matters. Here's a challenge to you for those that are believers. What have you put your faith in? You go, well, I've accepted Jesus Christ as my personal savior. Really? How many of the people in your daily life know that? And I'm not just talking about mom and dad and brothers and sisters. I'm talking about your friends. I'm talking about your classmates. I'm talking about the people you work with, the people on your sports teams, the people in the other post-school curriculars that you're a part of. How many people know that you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone? Now look, I'm not telling you to walk up to the next person that you see that you, on, uh, on Thursday morning, and you go, <clears throat> hit him in the forehead. I'm a believer. That's not, okay, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is, what have you shown them that you've placed your faith in? For those of you who are believers, if you have not been baptized, my question and challenge to you is this, Why? 
We see clearly throughout scripture, especially in Matthew 28, 18 through 20 as the Great Commission, to go therefore make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus very words were baptized them. Why? Because it is a declaration to the rest of the world that I follow Christ and Christ alone and there is nothing else that I will place my faith in. If you have not done that, my question to you and my challenge to you is why would you not follow what Christ has already commanded you to do? Sometimes we have to get pushed in order to realize that we were actually standing still and not moving forward in our own faith. For those of you who are saved, who have been baptized, again, I come back to the question, how many in your life know that you have a faith that is solely centered on Christ? I want to close in prayer to ask God to reveal his truth in our hearts regarding the gospel message. I want to ask him to help to, live, to help us to live gospel-centered lives. And not so much that he would help because we already know as it says in scripture that he will, but it is more that we would be in a response, a proper response to how he leads us, to how he molds, how he shapes us. As we already talked about, as the scripture is opened, we cannot walk away unchanged because we do not open scripture. Scripture opens us and shows us what God is trying to do in and through us. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we take these words that Paul wrote and we, in a way, hesitantly write them on our hearts because we know that as you have laid this out through Paul's own penmanship, but Lord, that it is you and your words that are speaking to us even now today. And the reason we are hesitant is because we know the call that you have laid on us that we would actually examine what we have placed our faith in. Lord, that those that are around us would see that our faith has been placed in you and you alone. And not in merely trying to take our filthy rags and present them to you as something of worth. Lord, I pray for those who are in this room who have laid their life down and given it to you. But they have not followed through in baptism. Lord, that this week, these months ahead, Lord, that there would not be a delay, but there would be a earnest calling upon them that they would stand firm in their faith and declare from the mountains that you and you alone are what they have placed their hope in. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. The listening and conversation doesn't stop here. 
We want to hear from you on what you want to hear more of. Keep up with what's going on at Central Students by following us on Instagram and Facebook under Central Students WR. Until next time, God bless.